laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? You should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. I think that taking like the monsters we're scared of, like in us, and turning it around and being able to laugh at those is empowering and so much fun. And I like, especially to laugh at things like that with a group of people. Like sometimes I'll say something, maybe a little off kilter, we'll say, um, but like, or something very dark on stage. And I feel like sometimes people will laugh at it and kind of realize like, oh, a bunch of people have this experience. We're all laughing at this, you know, or it bombs and it's horrific for everyone. But for the most part, <laughs> people are laughing together, which is nice. Hey, this is David from You Can't Laugh at That. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, and if you found value in any of the episodes, or if you've laughed even once, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Now, these conversations we have with all these awesome comedians typically last about two hours, so there's so much footage we have to cut from every single episode, and we hate that we have to cut it. And we don't want it to disappear into the ether, which is why we edit it together into exclusive clips. Some episodes, they're 15 minutes, a half hour of extra footage. Other episodes, it's a little bit shorter. Either way, if you enjoy listening to You Can't Laugh at That, join our Patreon for exclusive access. And thanks for listening to our podcast and supporting comedy, because no matter how weird times get, Remember that you can laugh at that. It's Monday. My neighbors it's a party. are listening. Good. We'll tell them hello. Because they are on You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where we take topics you can't laugh at and we find ways to laugh at them in the never ending quest to prove that anything can be funny. Like Steve. Steve, you're funny. What's what do you attribute that to? Can be funny. You're right. Can what be. was your question? <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. Are you thriving? I'm, th- I'm thriving. Good. That's, that's what we like to hear. Uh, and then we'll break down your pain because I noticed that, that little quiver in your voice. I'm a small gold town in the West. I'm thriving. I, I sense big things in your future. Steve. That's a coincidence that I'm talking about San Francisco. I, that's not, that wasn't intentional. That's good. Somebody's microwaving. They're allowed to do that. Yeah, this is anything goes. And uh, today we have. Hey, you know he's mad at you for microwaving. Can't you can't you turn it on vibrate? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody who's listening to this is going to know. I mean, let's be honest. We're going to cut most of that. Uh, <laughs> the microwave, the lazy person's oven. <laughs> That's how they marketed it. And uh, today we have on the podcast. Hannah Boone, she is a New York City-based comedian uh, who has performed in festivals all over the country. She is headlined at Caroline's on Broadway. She has her own podcast out now. It's called Disorders, where they uh, talk about disorders. <laughs> it's, it's 
pretty self-explanatory. What's going on, Hannah? Hey, what's up? Oh, the podcast is disordered. Did I say disorders? Yeah, but I mean, I get why you would say that. It's a very similar. Word. And I even wrote down disordered. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, we'll just we'll just show a picture of my notes. It's just, <laughs> it's just words like all over this page. Just wow, there's no. Look at that. I don't I don't stick to the lines. Yeah, check that out. That's crazy. That looks like the the chalkboard in that Matt Damon movie. What was that called? Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> That's what I feel like anytime I write on a chalkboard or. In my notebook, I'm like, I'm going to come up with something really, really deep. Yeah, you're like, I'm a janitor, but I'm a genius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell myself every morning when I wake up. <laughs> and I'm a I, smart I, janitor. Yeah, I've yet to manifest either of those things, but <laughs> we have manifested a podcast. So Beautiful. Yeah, I don't know if that, there's a podcast on being a janitor yet, but there's definitely Entry one Entry-level on position. Janitor. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a step in the right direction. It's where you start. If you want to be a physicist, you got to start a janitor. That's true. That's a genuine career path. They, that my college counselor actually recommended that. So you recommended janitor and you kind of just assumed you were like, Oh, you want me to be a physicist? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, but I don't even like math. (laughs) I'm going to design mops. Yeah. (laughs) What is the best angle for, for mopping. All right, uh, Hannah, we're, we're done talking about mopping for now. I don't know. Maybe there will be a callback later. I have no promises. But uh, who is Hannah Boone? What got you into comedy? What what brought you to where you are right now? Oh, man. I mean, I've wanted to be a comic since I was like six years old. I saw, actually, I saw, I don't know if I was watching Comedy Central, but I saw Tom Papa on stage. He like opens for Jerry Seinfeld. And I was like, whoa, I want to do that like he was just standing there and everyone was laughing and I was like that's a, it kind of sounds like a nightmare the way I'm describing it but <laughs> it, was, it was cool <laughs> it was awesome and uh made me want to do it and I started I well I tried going to community college because with my grades I was not getting into a college and then like a few months in I was like nah. And then I went and tried stand up and I loved it and it was very it was a very on and off relationship for a long time uh, starting when I was 17. And then I got really serious about it when I was like 24 and I moved to New York. Okay. Like non-committal, like anybody from the ages of 17 to 24 is yeah, about I like, everything. I don't fucking know what I want to do. Like I thought I was serious about it, but like I was not, I didn't know what being serious about anything was, you know, and I was right. doing a lot of drugs. So <laughs> I was just like doing stuff. I was doing stand up in between the drugs kind of. Never at the same time? I think I, I, no, not really. Because I just like, wasn't able, I knew I wouldn't be able to. Like I would get so fucked up. Like I'm sober now, but like I would get so fucked up that I was like, there's no way that I could possibly remember words to to say to people when I'm like this. Yeah, no. Did you ever write when you were high? Eh, a yeah. little bit. I've written after I've smoked weed before. And like, it's always that thing of like, oh, this is great. This is going to be great. Everyone's going to love this. And then I look at it the next day and I'm like, what? Yeah. I what? feel attacked. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. I have no idea what I wrote. I used to record myself. Like I would come home from a night at the bars and, 
And then I would get home and I'd pack a bowl and I'd smoke a bowl. And then I'd just be like, all right, here's some hard truths. Future David, you're going to love this stuff. It's going to be, it's going to change the world. Like I'm talking about democracy and like socialism and, and you know, the societal construct. And then I, and I turn it on and it's just me not completing any sentences. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I'm going to be the Hemingway of the comedy world. (laughs) And it's like, you're not. (laughs) You're definitely not. Right. It's just 30 minutes about a dude on a boat uh, by himself. (laughs) So uh, we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but what's like, what's going on in your life right now? What's, what's funny to you right now about the world and your day to day? Oh God. Well, I'm like as a stand up. I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with myself at night. Like, it's such a strange, like, I'm used to doing nothing during the day, whatever. But, like, at night, I've been, I've been actually, like, asking. I actually had a guest on my podcast, and I was very nervous to have him. I'm a very, very big fan, and I got very nervous. <laughs> and I, I meant to say, like, as a stand-up, what are you doing with your nights? Like, what does it look like? And I just said, what do you do at night? And he was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and that was really bad. Um, but I don't know. I mean, what's funny right now is hard to say. It's It feels like a very serious time. I'm trying to write some stand-up and I'm working on a pilot and stuff. Um, okay. But it's been such a serious... I think what'll happen for me is like this is such a time of serious self-reflection and going inward that like it's going to be very funny like when I'm out of it. You know what I mean? Like a little bit later, it's going to be like super funny. But right now, I'm just like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just so intense. Is that typically where you find your your favorite, your best stuff? Absolutely. I think that taking like the monsters we're scared of, like in us and turning it around and being able to laugh at those is empowering and so much fun. And I like, especially to laugh at things like that with a group of people, like sometimes I'll say something maybe a little off kilter, we'll say, um, but like, or something very dark on stage. And I feel like sometimes people will laugh at it and kind of realize like, oh, a bunch of people have this experience. We're all laughing at this, you know, or it bombs and it's horrific for everyone. But for the most part, (laughs) people are laughing together, which is nice. What do you do when something like that bombs? Like, you know that there's a lot of truth there and you know that there's humor there. Like what's your what's your next move? I try to riff my way out of it. I try mm-hmm. to comment on the fact that none of us laughed at it. And I'm like, you know, and comment on the fact that maybe it's just me and that's why we didn't all laugh at it. And then I'll try to riff my way out and then move into some lighter material. But um <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yeah, we're just, we're just acting like it's not happening. It's yeah, I, well, I just looked up and was like, oh, a cat's asshole. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> it's a sphinxster. Yeah, it's a sphinx. A sphinxster. <laughs> sphincter. All that work and she just jumped down. <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'll try to riff my way out of it and move to lighter material. Um, sometimes you can't, there is no going back. But yeah. for the most part, you can try to kind of finagle your way out. Do you do you put a lot of value in like addressing the elephant in the room when things aren't working? Very much. And I feel like I almost do it to a fault. Like I I had a recording recently for Sirius and I should have just done my set because it was a recording. 
but the audience was super tight and I, uh, I just kept commenting on how tight they were and like kept doing it and kept doing it. And then I started getting like mad and like, I didn't lose my shit, but I was just like poking more fun at them. And then I heard the recording back and I was doing fine. So it sounds like I'm just badgering an audience for no reason. <laughs> and like it'll be in my head sometimes that I'm doing really badly, you know? Um, but yeah, I do think it's important if you're bombing, maybe not at a recording, but like if you're not recording and it's just a live show, like I do think it's important to address it for sure. That's, that's a, it's a fine line too, because like you said, sometimes it's in your own head, you know, I've gotten on stage and been like, that set crushed. And then I'll listen back to it. And I'm like, Oh, that was actually kind of tepid and vice versa. Like, why aren't you guys laughing? They have been laughing. Like I worked, I worked with a headliner a couple of weeks ago. And I was surprised because he got off stage. He had like five or six applause breaks in his 45 minutes. Like he had a great set. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him after the show and he was like, did they, do you think they like me? They did. They didn't feel like they were laughing that much. And I was like, dude, you destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's totally a thing, especially we're so hard on ourselves. Like I constantly am like, that was a bomb. I bombed and it's like, I rarely like straight up bomb anymore. It happens, but not as much as it. And it's funny because in the beginning you're so delusional because you like have to be. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it goes from like thinking you're doing way better than you are. And then at some point it flips and you start to feel like you're doing way worse than you really are. Like it's I think, interesting. I think we all focus like if you have a really good, or not like a really good, you have a good set, but you know, it's like t five, 10 or more minutes and you could have things that just didn't work. And then a lot of things that just like kill. And then, but, but we all get off stage at a certain, like maybe like five years after doing it for five years or so, like we just think we did awful because just three of those jokes fell flat or something, you know? Absolutely. I did a set on Saturday night, believe it or not, in like 25 degree weather. And uh, I had a great set, but my opening riff, one of them didn't do well. And that's all I can think of. And I keep thinking about it and cringing. And it's not even like a joke I can work on. It was like a yeah. random riff. It's just like, I'm just like beating myself up about it. Yeah. Yeah. How long after, you know, after a bomb, how long uh, does it take you to find the funny in the bomb itself? Or do you just, do you, do you even look for it or do you just move on? That's interesting. If it's like a crazy bomb, I'm like, I have to turn this into a story and talk about this. Um, and I can find the funny pretty quickly. If I bomb, it usually just hurts and I feel better about it once I perform again and do well. Mm -hmm. And I probably won't feel better until that happens. And then sometimes I do, like I'll go on stage and like I'll say a joke that may be bombed and I'll try it again and it'll do well. And I definitely will be like, oh my God, thank God you guys left. The last crowd did not laugh. And then we can like, like that's fun and very cathartic too. Right. Do you apply that mentality to life bombs? Oh boy. <laughs> well, I run and tell a joke about a real life bomb as fast as I fucking can because yeah. it makes me feel better. You know, I think that's why we talk about dating so much because dating so scary and horrible. <laughs> and so we have to like turn it into something funny. Right. Right. It's to me, what um, laughing at my own life bombs does is it is it really kind of opens up a new perspective of myself. Like, oh, I'm the bad guy here kind of thing. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you find yourself doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, writing about things is so, I mean, like, you know, you listen, but I, I write so much about 
my crazy childhood and like uh, all this stuff. Uh, like I write about darker stuff because it, like, first of all, it makes me feel better to be able to laugh at it. And second of all, it's that thing of like, people can come to like, people aren't just laughing at the stories from my childhood because they're like wild and different. They are, but they're also like relating to their own families and like, Oh, my mom is kind of like this too, or like whatever I think, or they're just being like, that's fucking crazy. And maybe they're just laughing, but um, like there's something that's so healing too about laughing at something that made you really upset, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's stepping out of the, the situation just a little bit. If, if you can just kind of crack the door just a little bit to see on the other side, like that's what laughing to me, at least in my experience and kind of based on what you're saying, that kind of does. Absolutely. Um, Even writing things out. Like I journal every morning and it's just journaling. Yeah. Like that I don't look for, but I read back at those and like, sometimes I can find funny stuff in them. And sometimes it's just like, it feels good to be like, here's what happened and here's how I felt. I don't know why that helps, but it does. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. If I have, yeah, if something bad happens, I, that's immediately what I do. And naturally. And then uh, in a lot of cases, instead of writing it out, because I can't write as fast as my brain moves, when I'm, I'll, I'll record Ooh, myself. Okay, Dave. Got a press frame. <laughs> He's a janitor. He's yeah, I go from smart as shit. I go from totally un- unrelated points, you know, <laughs> and, and it's hard to like trace myself back to where I was if I lose myself. So, so I record myself. So the same thing, mm. hearing myself say the stuff out loud. It's like, oh, that's how I realized like, oh no, I'm the asshole here. Like, mm. because normally what I'm doing is I'm, is I'm, you know, talking about somebody, something somebody else did and then listening back to it. It's like, oh no, David, you were wrong. That's great that you do that. You're like cleaning house. You're like, I don't know. I just use like an AA term, but like, yeah, you're doing like, that's like step four. So yeah, you're ahead of the game. <laughs> I never, I, de- I never started doing that until I started doing comedy though. Um, it's just that, that kind of free associating and, and allowing your, your brain, that creative freedom to kind of maneuver without constraint mm-hmm. uh, has been helpful. Um, but also it's, it's been a little bit of a, not a detriment, but, if I'm in a conversation with somebody and I feel like they're not vibing with it, I'm just like, Oh, that's totally my fault. Like I'll Im- immediately go to, no, this is on me. And it's like, no, it's not. I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, I had a bad day or whatever today. So. Yeah. Well, especially, especially in comedy, I like, I were also weird <laughs> and like socially awkward. There's so many times where I've been like, I must be like, I have so many conversations where I'm like, what was wrong with me? Why was I being so awkward? And then it's like, oh, that person's weird. Like yeah. that person was being weird and it made me feel awkward. Like not always, sometimes I am being awkward, but like, you know, like it helps me the other way sometimes where I can relax and be like, oh, I didn't do anything. That person's was stoned or is weird or whatever. Yeah. I totally subscribe to that too, by the way. You know what I always say? It takes two to awkward. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, I mean- yeah, you might feel awkward sometimes, but like it's it's definitely like a two-way sort of a thing. It's never universal per se. No, yeah, it's to- I like learned that lesson like last year. Like I am late in the game for that one. But yeah, no, that's great. I love that. It takes Isn't it a sigh of relief? You're like, "Oh, yes. it's not me. It's not it's not, you know." Mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and that helps with the anxiety for sure. Um so you 
we we kind of skipped past it, but you had a great segue into what we're talking about today, which is kind of our childhood conditioning and, and unlearning it, or in some cases, some people lean into it and uh, and double down. So we'll kind of take our childhood experiences and kind of look at them from multiple angles. And I want to start with yours because I, I watched a few of your sets and uh, this was the one from Chicago. It's the one where you have to do the hot sauce or whatever. Oh yes. They made us drink hot sauce. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a whore for the industry. I'm like, sure. I'll drink hot sauce. <laughs> like super hot, like that kind of thing. Or? It was like, yeah, it was oh. like there were different levels of spicy and you had to, the audience chose which one you drank and yeah. Hmm. So you were in Chicago, obviously. I don't know. You can kind of set up the clip if you remember it. If not, we can just go right into it. Um, yeah, no, I was in Chicago for this show and um, it was a great lineup. Jeffrey Asmus. I don't know if you guys know him, but he was on yep. it. Oh, yeah, great. he's great. He's wonderful. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, like, if you drank the least spicy one, you could have one more minute on your set. And there were four. So it's up to like the spiciest one where you could have four additional minutes on your set. But you would drink the hot sauce and then you had to finish your set. And it was like really hard to talk because it was so spicy. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's all I remember about the show. My dad was there. <laughs> okay. That was interesting because so many of my jokes are about him. But yeah. All right. Ooh, that, that gives me new topics for questions. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, Jeremy? Let's listen to Hannah Boone on Spitfire Comedy. I grew up in sort of a kooky way. My parents met in a mental hospital, uh, which is good, because I think when people need bars, it's like super trashy, you know? Um, Oh, they met as patients, by the way. I I only say, I feel like I have to say that because I told a guy my parents met in a mental hospital, and he went, oh, doctors. Uh, Like, yeah, like, what has not happened to you in your life? You're that optimistic. (laughs) Also, why would that be how I tell you my parents are doctors? (laughs) What a tricky way to talk. Um, 
That's a good joke. And after that, she was Greek Orthodox for a while, which I still don't understand because Greek is not a religion. <laughs> when people say they're Greek Orthodox, it just sounds like they're saying, we are so Greek. <laughs> yeah, we're very Greek. <laughs> called a lot to my house because it was super chaotic, you know? My parents are very mentally ill, so you want to call in the ultimate healers, the police. Oh. And my dad, no, it's, I'm joking. Um, she was like, oh, no! <laughs> um, my, uh, my dad did go to jail for a while. I remember him trying to parent me from prison when I was a teenager. Like, we'd be on the phone. He'd be like, Hannah, you're grounded. I'd be like, yeah, well, you're grounded. <laughs> 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 that really sort of. Um, if you want to win an argument with somebody, just make sure the other person is currently in jail. <laughs> That's I love that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've watched it like four times, so I'm like, I know it's coming next, but <laughs> that uh, that Wiccan the Catholic joke is so <laughs> so structurally sound, but, but it's it's so funny. Thank you. I actually forgot about that joke. I'm glad I watched that. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what we get when uh, when we play back old stuff for yeah. comics. They're like, "Oh shit!" Either that was awful to watch, <laughs> or you know, "Oh man, I forgot about that bit." Yep. Uh, so, uh, kind of take us through the construction of that bit, uh, if you can remember, like how it started, how you know you kind of found the funny in in such a formative part of your life. Well, I remember I never wrote about my family. And then in 2015, I started dating this guy and he was like, you have got to talk about your family on stage. And I remember being like, what? Because I was still like kind of hurt from it. So I like, I never thought like uh, of it as funny. And then I started writing about it and the jokes kind of just started coming out of my head and like, I was like, oh, this is funny. My parents went to a mental hospital. Like, are you kidding me? And then I just kept writing about it. And then actually laughing about it was super fun. And it actually ended up being the material that did the best at shows. And I remember my parents started coming to shows and I was like, I'm not going to take this shit out. Like, it's true. <laughs> and it's funny. <laughs> like, I'm going to keep it in. And it does the best of all my material for sure. Do you attribute that to being it being like the realist? I mean, what kind of stuff were you doing before, or like? What was yeah. I? I don't even know what the fuck I was like. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who know? Like sex and like stuff I still talk about, but like I guess that was like fully like what like stuff I know. You know, this guy on the street did this thing. You know, like that kind of stuff. Probably Got more it. so. And I didn't. It never occurred to me to talk about like what's in my soul, you know, like it just never occurred to me to talk about that shit. So. Yeah. I feel like there's just a day in every comics life cycle where they just flip that switch. Absolutely. Well, I know it's taboo to quote him now, but it's a good quote. Louis CK. Uh, <gasps> I know. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the, please censor me. Um, he talked about um, how, like, as a comic, you start you start talking when you're new. You talk about what you see, and then you talk about what you feel, and then you talk about, and then after like ten more years, you start to talk about what you fear, 
And like, you just go deeper and deeper in. And I think that's very true. I think like at first, all you can do is be like, have you ever noticed that cereals like this, like what else are you going to do? You know? And then you start to realize like, Oh, I can mold sort of like the scariest parts of my brain into something funny because we all have the scariest parts of our brains. Like no one, you know, I think it's scary to put that part of yourself on view for an audience. But then when you, when the audience catches it and is like, oh no, I have that dark part too. Then you, they kind of catch you and it's a fun little dance. Is that, is that how you like take it when, when an audience laughs at that stuff? Like you've made a connection or. Yeah, I think it's layered. I mean, everyone's so different that I think, I think there's part of it where it's like, people are like, that is crazy. What? And like, that's the laughter. But I think there is also like, everyone can relate to some kind of childhood trauma or some kind of like, you know, family drama, like everyone's family is dysfunctional in one way or another. So I think it's partially relating and partially maybe just laughing at that, 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 the wild stuff I am saying. Yeah. In addition, I mean, we have a lot of comics that listen to this podcast, but there are a lot of people who aren't comedians who are kind of interested in, you know, how you can laugh at things like this. So we kind of go into the bit and break down things like word choice and how that Mm -hmm. can accentuate something or or get you thinking about something else. And, uh, you know, your set, first of all, I mean, it has a great rhythm. So there, there's just a flow to it that, that people, you know, catch, kind of catch the wave and, and ride it to the end of the, the chunk. God, I hate that I said that out loud. Um, no, I loved it. Thank ah. you. <laughs> <laughs> catch the wave, man. <laughs> but, you know, you open the bit using the word, like, oh, I grew up in a kind of kooky way. So it that, the thing with the word like kooky, it's like, it's a silly word. So it almost like lower, it lessens the the darkness or like the trauma or or whatever that, that bit may bring out of, of, you know, some people in the audience um, just by opening it up. Is that a conscious word choice? Yeah. Um, It also, now that you're talking, you realize it makes it seem like I'm going to talk about something silly. And then it just makes it that much more of a shock when I do talk about what I'm going to talk about, you know, Um, which is makes more for more of a laugh. Um, But it also, because I used to come out and just say my parents met in a mental hospital and everyone would go silent. Like, it's a dramatic sentence. So you kind of have to fluff it. So I fluffed it with, you know, I grew up in sort of a kooky way. My parents met in a mental hospital and then joke, like, which is good because I think when people meet in a bar, it's super trashy. So I had to, like, kind of cuddle that sentence with, like, silly and funny. Ooh, cuddle that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) That's way better than ride the wave. (laughs) I like them both. (laughs) Yeah. They they live in the same lexicon. Mm-hmm. I got to write. I wrote that down. Um, so and then you and then you reiterate that they met as patients. Yes. Which you know at first until you deliver that punchline, it's like why is she telling us this? And then it's such a good. <laughs> what has not happened to you? So did that like really happen? That. That really happened. And it didn't happen from the stage. I was talking to a guy and I just like won't shut up about how my parents met because it's the most interesting thing about me. And I just (laughs) said like my parents met in a mental hospital and he really went like, oh, wow, doctors. And I was like, like, is it that you don't want to know what I'm saying? (laughs) Or like, what's that? (laughs) Yeah, it was weird. 
someday pe- uh, a kid will be like, yeah, my parents met at the at the Capitol insurrection and someone will yeah. be like, oh, they're cops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, that That's funny that that he he drew that conclusion. And then so <laughs> patients aren't people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was something really weird. I don't know what what that was. Right. Um, and, and you kind of briefly take that perspective of somebody who's gullible and naive. And so you introduce that perspective to the bit. I mean, that's, that's a tool that I use too. If I'm having trouble, like I know if I know a premise is funny, but I'm not sure how to get the punchline across. Sometimes I'll take a step back and be like, how would somebody who's super naive look at this? Or how would somebody who's like super into, you know, like dark shit, how would they look at this and just kind of attack it from as many points of view? Do you ever find yourself doing that when you, would you put together a bit like a heavier bit? No, actually. And I think that's great that you do that. I might, I think I might start doing that. I basically, I used to write dark bits. Like when I was younger, like I would think it was like super important to just be like as edgy as possible and like fucking make the audience uncomfortable. And then now, so that's what I used to try to do. And now I'm like, okay, how can I actually deliver this so that it's soft and it's funny? Like I don't have to just like stab them with like (laughs) trauma. (laughs) Like I can like soften it a bit. And like, I just try to, I try to look at it in the perspective of someone who's out on a Saturday night, wants to have a couple of drinks and have a laugh, you know, mm. basically. Yeah. That's a really good point too, is like, like you said, you know, more inexperienced comics will try to be like, oh, this point is so important. Yeah. So these people just want to have a good time on a, on a weekend. Like you're not, <laughs> they didn't sign up to see Carlin. Like they're. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like you're not like, come on, we're not, you're not a philosopher. I know that's popular, but. For fuck's sake, make them laugh. Yeah. Yes, be funny. <laughs> so then you go from there to um, the the chunk, the, the part of the bit where you're talking about, you know, your parents see and hear things that aren't there. Mm-hmm. And then you tie that to you being a gullible six-year-old, which is really funny because, mm-hmm. and then you you do the, the power of three joke. You know, you introduce the two things that all, most six-year-olds believe, you know, Santa Claus, the tooth fairy, and then the third punch. <laughs> which is uh, the the men on your porch there to kill your dad. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take us through that. What was that like as a, as a child? <laughs> it was nuts. Cause you, cause you don't like, and I want to elab, like I want to expand that joke a little more too in the future because I want to like really grasp the idea. Like I really, like I did believe in Santa, but we were Jewish. Like I believed in Santa because why not? Because like you could believe in anything in my house. (laughs) Like I didn't know what was real and what wasn't. And my mom was super good, like too good at like tooth fairy stuff and stuff like that. And then um, my dad really did have paranoid schizophrenia and would like, one morning, I remember he like came in my room and he was like, get down on the ground. Like the men outside are going to come get me or whatever. And I looked outside and there was no one there. And so, but like, you don't know, like you're a kid and your dad's like, get on the ground. You're like, okay. You know? Um, yeah. So it did actually come from really like dark time. But like at the same time, my house was very like, I don't know. You could have an imagination, <laughs> I guess. How was how was that explained to you as a kid? Like, do your did your parents try to explain that you know sometimes we're gonna say things that might not be 
true or like how did that no nothing was explained my parents very I think their generation really like shamed mental illness and the fact that they ever got help for it was very shamed and they really tried to sweep it. Here's the thing is like they tried to sweep it under the rug because they were ashamed of it. But what they have is so you can't hide it if you're off your meds. Like it's pretty cuckoo bananas. So um, no, I was never sat down and talked to about it. I just kind of had to piecemeal it together. Like the older I got, like try to figure it out. Okay. Alarming. My parents are the same way about like, they, like, they don't know what anxiety is or anything. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where you're like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Like that's weak. And it's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) It's brain science actually. Yeah. uh, Did you you know you can actually, you know, if you lead into it in the right way, you can actually be a better person. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's embarrassing. It's like, okay. No, it's the demons. Yeah. <laughs> did that did that scare you? I mean, do you remember like being scared at all as a kid? Or um not of that stuff, really, because that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um I was my dad had like anger issues and that was scary, but like as far as like my mom thinking there's like a ghost in the hallway or whatever. I was just like, okay, sure. (laughs) Like, I don't know. So you'd go on one of those ghost hunter shows and be like, oh, you guys are just schizophrenic. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, maybe. Yeah. I don't know them. Right. (laughs) Do you think that gave you kind of a leg up on other kids? Like you have to figure things out yourself because for a lot of us, you know, we held our parents up in this high regard and then you get to a certain point in life and you're just like, Oh, my parents don't actually know shit. And they're just kind of feeling their way through life. Just like everyone else. Do you think, did, did you come to that realization at a younger age? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I came to that realization when my parents split up when I was like six years old. Um, the same year I wanted to do stand up. I do have a firm <laughs> belief that you have to hit bottom of some kind to want to do stand up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, I had that really young. I don't think it gave me a leg up. I was really weird in school. I got bullied a lot for being very weird. Um, <laughs> so I don't think it <sighs> helped me as a kid. I think now as an adult, it's given me some perspective that's cool to have. But as a kid, no. I yeah. was just like, what? Yeah, it's one of those slow burn things where it's like, yeah. this is awful. It's terrible. I have to go to soccer practice. But like, yeah. And everyone hates me. But uh, it, yeah, it kind of builds up long term. Yeah. You know, being able was, to look back. Yeah, I was like the weird kid with weird stories. But now I'm the weird adult with weird stories and it works. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, you come into your own. Mm-hmm. Would you say you were funny when you were a kid? No. No? No. When I became a comedian, everyone was like, what? (laughs) Like you? Uh, No, I was very quiet, very timid, very scared and shy and nervous. And um, I was funny. Once I was a teenager, I was really funny, but I was really funny with my friends. When it came, I was never the class clown. I wouldn't dare speak out in class. Like I was normally ditching class, but if I was in class, I was quiet. Could you make yourself laugh or like, could you find the funny in the things that were happening? at the time constantly Mm -hmm. um 
because I needed to. Um, it's like a survival thing. Like yeah. I think like it's so important to be able to laugh at things. I mean, even now, like if something upsets me, I'm like, I got to grab Twitter, you know, like I, like I still to this day, like I, there was a podcast host who commented, he was like, you really like pour your heart out on Twitter. It's like reading a journal. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like I have to, I have to make jokes about stuff. Otherwise they're heavy, you know? Yeah. And it's helpful. It's, it's funny how many people I run into where it's like, oh, I never thought of laughing to make myself feel better. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the thing, dude. Yeah, exactly. Nobody knows about dopamine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Okay, unlearning. That was kind of what really, that was the word that really stuck out to me throughout your your whole set. Like, that's the one bit that stood out. Maybe just because I'm, I'm a geek and I, I love the idea of like, conditioning and how people grow up if they live in a house where their parents are like super productive or super religious or super drunk. Um, and just kind of seeing how they adapt that to becoming an adult. Like that's always interesting to me. I like the character development. Um, so unlearning, like when did you unlearn like consciously, you know, did you, did you go to therapy? Did you talk to people? Like how, what made you kind of step out from your, conditioning as a kid well I went to <laughs> I've been to a lot of therapy <laughs> um Good. but I would say um actually and I wrote a piece about this um but I haven't published it so I'll talk about it uh okay. but I um uh, I basically I would go probably when I was like 16, 17, and I started talking to people, like, especially when I started going to, like, parties when I was in college, like, and I would start talking to groups of people, and they would like, be telling, like, stories, you know, like, socializing, and then I would pop in with, like, a, oh, yeah, like, this time my dad did this or whatever, and people would get, like, really uncomfortable, and I, like, didn't, under like, didn't understand that I just said something, like, fucked up. And, like, I just thought it was, like, something everyone experienced when they were a kid. And then it's slowly through, like, embarrassing social situations like that, I started to be like, oh, I wasn't raised normally. Like, it started to just, like, kind of get, like, show on people's faces when I would, like, talk about stuff my parents did. And I'd be like, oh, this is, I guess this is weird, you know? Yeah. That's a that's a great sketch premise. I mean, it's it's been <laughs> done, but nobody could do it like you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it should be something. I know I, like, wrote a thing about it but I got I should look at that yeah totally there's so many different things I mean just the, just the idea of like one person says this one thing about their childhood like oh my my parents took away my PlayStation when I was bad and like you know and then yeah I got grounded from going to soccer on the week of the championship and, and you're right. like, I'm like my dad was wasted at my high school graduation made a scene and everyone's like what and I'm like, no, it's funny. <laughs> you don't get it. I guess you had to be there. <laughs> That's such a cop out. Uh, the I guess you had to be there line. But. <laughs> it can really save your ass, though, after a bad yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> um, did, have you, I mean, so you were part of a sketch team. I saw you were, uh, it was featured on Adult Swim. Mm -hmm. Have you ever externalized your own experiences into a character? Huh, no. 
I like this podcast. You're giving me good ideas. <laughs> no, no. My, the sketch team was, I mean, we were on Adult Swim, so we were like very, had nothing to do with reality. I mean, right. absolutely. And that was like fun too in terms of, like it's related to this because like it was my fun escape place where mm-hmm. like none of this is real. Um, so it was like really fun to depart into absolute absurdist comedy too. That has nothing to do with any of this. So I think that's what I use that for. <laughs> Is there a line? Like, do you do you ever write something and you you take it on stage? You're like, oh, this is great. You know, it's like the third beat of a joke. And then you take it on stage and everyone just blinks at you. <laughs> like, oh, maybe that was too much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting better at knowing when it's too much now. Um, but I'm trying to think. Sometimes, oh yeah, there's this one joke where this one kind, this one will work, but it it starts off where I have to explain that my brother, when he was two, kept trying to touch the hot stove in our house, and my dad, my mom kept being like, "Don't touch the stove," but he kept trying to touch it and kept trying to touch it, and my dad was like, "We're just gonna let him touch it, and then he'll learn," and that. He did, and he did. Um, but, like, my joke is just, like, this isn't war. Like, you don't, like, and it's, like, about how my parents were just shitty parents and, like, like hands-off parenting. Like, they're just shitty parents. And But, like, when I say the burning his hand story, everyone's, like, ugh. <laughs> and I have to, like, go really fast with the rest of the jokes. Otherwise, people are just, like, I don't like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which is kind of absurd to me because I feel like that's an example so many people use as far as not learning from your own mistakes. <laughs> like, if you touch yeah. the oven. Well, like, metaphorically, but I think yeah. they picture a two-year-old, like, touching a hot stove, and they're like, ah. And I'm like, no, I know. Like, I don't agree with it either. <laughs> like, right. I'm on your side. Do you ever... Uh, <laughs> the cat's Pardon. back. Different this cat. Is a, this is different cat, yeah. Different There's just, cat. This house is just crawling with cats. I know. Uh, like, by the end of the podcast, you're just going to be covered in cats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where they came from. laugh at that. So the the switching religions, that's an interesting concept because I grew up in a strictly Catholic house, right? We were Catholic from the day I was born till I decided to move out. Well, and yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. There's a lot of there's a lot of humor there. Uh, but we're not talking about that today because I want to talk about your experience. So born Jewish, were, were both of your parents Jewish? Yes. Okay. So born Jewish till six, like you said in the joke, and then your mom decides not to be Jewish. And your reaction is, oh, it's just my identity. No big deal. <laughs> like, How was that explained to you as a kid? And how did you respond? Well... I was stoked because I hated going to temple and all that. So my mom and my dad split when I was six. And then my mom decided not only to be Wiccan, but to start giving us Christmas. And I was like, fuck yes. Like, I was so (laughs) excited. I was like, this is the best. And then she just explained that she was a witch and that she made potions. And uh, she worked with crystals and stones and would read my tarot and I was like okay cool like I was into it I was like all right this is fun you know (laughs) got it so was the identity line was that just kind of like a hindsight thing 
The identity thing was a hindsight. I that was definitely more an adult thought, and yeah. it was definitely for the joke. Um, as a kid, <laughs> I had no, I did not identify with any religion. <laughs> you're right. If you're six and you're like, this is my identity. Like, yeah, I was like, this is who I am. Like, no, 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 not at all. I thought it was super fun. Okay. I mean, that's a, <laughs> and then, and then to balance it out with her deciding to go from being Wiccan to Catholic. That's natural. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> that was very brief. Okay. Yeah, um, good. Uh, but we did go to church once and I remember being really scared to be in a church because I went to temple as a kid and my dad was so religious and told me that God would be mad if I like went to a church. But my mom was like, we got to go to church. So I was like, "Ah, I don't know what to do. So uh, I went with my mom to the church and it was super scary. I'd never seen like a Jesus on a cross before a Jesus. (laughs) I'd never seen a Jesus on a cross (laughs) And that was like terrifying. Oh my God. He's like bleeding and it's like scary. And Mm. um, so I was like really scared. And then my mom quickly went to Greek Orthodox, which they also do church, but it's a little different. It's more theatrical for sure. Yeah. Yes. I've never been to a Greek Orthodox. I've been to a Ukrainian Orthodox. Whoa. Which, I mean, there's bells and crowns and everyone's wearing a cape. (laughs) Yes, yes, it's very similar. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of like D and D and Lord of the Rings is based off of some of those costumes and props. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. It's also macabre, you know, the the Catholic Church. Like everything is centered around death, and and yes. I mean, going from from Wiccan to that, I don't know. That's I just feel like as a kid. I mean, you say you had a little bit of an identity crisis, like with your dad, with what your dad said about going to going to a, a Christian church versus going to temple. Yeah. Uh, but I did it kind of shake you. Did it? What am I trying to ask? Did it? Uh, did like switching different faiths? Did that kind of reveal like the whole construct of religion? Did it like shake you out of the that insider look, like almost like taking the 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 blue pill or yeah. was it the red pill oh. uh you know what i never saw the matrix yeah ah! but you understand the reference yes the pill that takes you out of the matrix yes yeah yeah it absolutely um i believe any of them i believed in wicca the most as a kid i think because i wanted to because that was the most fun um but i yeah i mean i totally to this day i believe that the human brain can only know so much and there's way more out there than we know. I believe that there is all kinds of forces working that are so much bigger than us. And I do believe in that, but yeah, I'm not part of any organized religion with all that going on. How could I be like, Mm -hmm. I was like, this is all, they're all telling me something different, but it's like the same, but like they're, they're saying the other one's wrong, but none of them actually know. Like I was totally like, this is, this can't be the right answer. Almost like if you didn't become a comic, <laughs> it's like, yeah, people would be like, you had all these things. <laughs> yeah. God help us if I didn't become a comic. I don't know what it would be. So what made you incorp- in- include the, the religion part into the bit itself? Um, I just, pe- I wanted people to get an idea of my mom a little bit more. Um, I also have another joke about her. That's pretty funny. Um, but 
it's it's a little more mean spirited, and I kind of wanted one that was just like it's not that mean spirited, but it's like eh, yeah. a little tough. Um, but uh, I just wanted one where you were like, okay, so we have an idea of like her household with like there's schizophrenia, there's different religions and gods, there's like all this stuff, and I just like thought. I don't know. I wanted to paint more of a picture. Okay. And that's sort of lens that most people can understand. You know, everybody grew up with some sort of belief system. Right. You know, whether it's a spiritual based religion, I mean, you know, you can look at things like capitalism as a religion. We're not going to dive into that, but mm-hmm. you know, everybody has these beliefs that they, that they live by and you connect with, with those. Um, the cat, the, uh, Halloween to jail joke. Where did that come out of? Was that, I mean, I feel like that's the centerpiece <laughs> of the, the, the whole bit. Like it's there are why some bits, I say the bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, there's some bits that I, that I do just because there's one good line in it. <laughs> yep. That's the one of this one is one of those. Yes, yeah. for sure. Um, I don't, I built the bit around that line. I thought of it one day and was like, this has got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then I, because I had just thought of like, oh, I think I was talking to someone and I was like, yeah, my mom went from Wiccan to Catholic. It's like going from Halloween to jail. And they laughed and I was like, oh, okay. So I have to use this in something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you get a lot of your jokes in a conversational setting? Yeah. No. Now I do. During the pandemic, I do because I'm not sitting down to write. I'm sitting down to write, but not stand up. Mm-hmm. So like it has to be like premises aren't flowing because I'm not performing as regularly. Um, so now I get it through people being like, oh, you got to say that on stage. But generally in the real world when life is regular, uh, no, I generally just it's through thinking like mm-hmm. I'll be thinking about something and I'll be like, oh, that's a, that's something. OK, and then uh, you go from that bit into your dad. So we, we learn about your mom and then you go into the bit about your dad going to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of take us through that. Uh, like through the bit or through the bit, what started it, where, you know, where, where you sure. found the funny. Sure. Well, um, the whole, like my dad parenting me, like it actually, what he really meant was what it really happened is he never said you're grounded over the phone, but there was one time where I was like, I have a boyfriend and I like, you know, dated a guy for a week because I didn't date in high school, <laughs> but um, I had a crush on a guy or whatever. And I was like, I have a boyfriend. And my dad was like, oh, well, I'll kill him, you know, kind of a thing. Like I better meet him. And I was like, you're like locked away. <laughs> like you're not going to threaten anybody. Like I was just like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, oh, I could simplify this, make it shorter if I just yeah. use the word grounded instead of say all of those words. Did you start it that way and then whittle it down to the grounded bit? Yeah, I started off with like the boyfriend thing, but then that's like hard to like, I don't know. It's like, I didn't want to explain it. And then it was just like, because then that gives a wrong image of me almost Mm -hmm. because like I did not date in high school. No one wanted to date me in high school. Like, and I want to make sure people know that because it makes it funnier. Um, But uh, yeah, I started with that. And then thought it was funny to like have that little side note of like, 
you know, my parents are really mentally ill. You want to call in the healers, the police, um, <laughs> which is horrible when no one laughs at that because they think I'm serious. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Joking. Do you always have that, that saver line that, no, oh, I'm kidding, guys? No, I actually said that because that guy went like, oof. Yeah, I heard that oof. Yeah, and I was like, no, dude, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not up here, like, being like, blue lives matter, like... Yeah. Got it. Um, yeah, I had a question about that. How do you feel that when you do, do you ever get those kind of oof lines when you're going through any of that bit? And how do you respond? Less and less. I think I, as I get better at performing dark material, I get that way less. But I used to get it a lot. And honestly, it used to just make me bomb. Like, I, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what to do. I'd be like, I'd freeze up and be like, it's not, I'm, you know, I'm kidding. Or I'd try to riff about it, but like I would, I would trip up. Mm-hmm. And, um, now, now I don't, now if someone were to do that, I'd probably just riff about it and address them. Um, and, and make sure everyone knows I'm good now. Everything's yeah. fine. And <laughs> it's just, going. it's okay guys. I'm good. Yeah. Like I'm all, I'm here. I'm not, you know, we're okay. Yeah. I'm not having a night terror. It's fine. <laughs> now that's, that's just one bit. Do you have any other bits uh, that, that kind of recall your, your childhood? Um, Cause I mean, you, you headline Caroline. So that's, you know, you have, that's a 45 minute set. Yeah. You know, so obviously there's there's a lot more than just that, like, three minutes that we listen to. Yeah, absolutely. I have a joke about this happened when I was a teenager, but I was out to dinner with my mom, and we, like, left the restaurant, and I had, like, um, a bag of leftover food in my hand, and I went to give it to a homeless guy, and my mom really said this. She was like, Hannah, don't give food to homeless people. He'll try to sell it and buy drugs with the money. <laughs> and then my joke is like mom who's buying food from homeless people <laughs> like, you know um but it was just such an insane thing to say to think even if that were true who gives a fuck let them buy drugs like i don't care <laughs> like what are you talking about it was so weird and then um yeah i have a i used to have a joke and i dropped it but it was just like about my perspective um, as an adult is like, things don't really get me down because my, my little mantra is like, at least it's not my childhood. And it's just like, you know, I didn't pay this, like, oh, my bill, I didn't pay my bills on time. And it's like, oh, well, at least no one's doing cocaine while they're pregnant with me. You know, like that kind of, that kind <laughs> of thing. Yeah. It's a classic, classic <laughs> connection. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you could, so like take something that you wrote recently, if you could apply your mentality as a kid, like to something newer or something that you're going through now, um, I mean, have fun with it. Like what, what sort of, how would you look at it? Like, how would that perspective kind of color what you're going through now? What would like child Hannah tell you as you like write a joke about what's going on? That's interesting. Um, Well, I recently went through a bout of missing one of my exes a lot. Mm. And that's kind of over now because I looked at his Instagram and I was like, I don't care about this guy. Um, But I, (laughs) I, uh, I think 
child Hannah would probably just be like, she'd probably make fun of him. She'd be like, this guy, he's in a, he's in a metal band. (laughs) They scream horrible. (laughs) They scream about Satan into a microphone. (laughs) And she'd be like, I don't like that. (laughs) Um. But yeah, actually, I did write a joke about him, but I wrote a joke about how he was so... I need to change it because I wrote it when I started dating him and it was about like how he's so much better than me and like I don't know why he's dating me. And now I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) So I need to like flip it around a little bit. Amend that joke. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's funny. Okay, have you you ever had anybody in... Listen to that bit and say, oh, you can't, like, that's not funny or heckle or anything like that. Not that bit, um, but my my brother's disabled and I have Mm -hmm. some bits about him and I've been booed um, trying to say bits about him. Um, But it's funny, like, my brother loves the jokes about him and they're all greenlit by him. Um, But I definitely have people who, like, get upset. I mean, I say, you know, that's less and less though, too, because like I, as I get better at this, I get better at saying these jokes in a way that people won't get upset about. Like I'm better at writing in a way that won't offend people or make them like too tight, you know, like I yeah. think part of stand up is like being able to graciously say the hard things. And not, like, just hit people over the head with, like, you know, fuck you. I'm going to say retarded. It's like, well, let's, like, ease into nice language and stuff, you know. You've heard the the analogy of comedy is the cheese that you wrap around the pill. And at yeah. first, it's at first it's like Velveeta singles or, like, crap singles. And, you know, it's, it does the trick. But the better you get, now you, it's in, like, a, a nice brie or, like, a smoked Gouda. <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> I'm on bear. What? (laughs) 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 Laughing. Do you run your jokes about your parents by them first? Or are you just like, buckle in mom and dad because you're at my show and nobody's safe? Like, how does that go? It's buckle in. I do not. I run them by my brother. Me and my brother are very close. Um, My mom and I are pretty estranged. So Mm -hmm. definitely not. And then... My dad now, like, and my parents aren't funny. So they like, actually my mom's kind of funny, but uh, my dad's not funny. So like running a joke by him would just be a bummer. And honestly, my dad is, as long as I'm getting laughs, like my dad's just proud. Like I've said all kinds of, I've said dirty jokes. I've said jokes about him and he's seen them all. And he's, he's just happy that I'm like, if I do well, that I'm doing well. So that's really nice. He's very yeah. supportive. Yeah, that, that's great. When you, what was their reaction when you told them that you wanted to do comedy? I mean, we're, I mean, first of all, you were probably pretty young. Yeah. But um, when but you actually pursued it. When I pursued comedy, both my, I wasn't going to college. Both my parents begged me to go to college, but I dropped out of community to do it. And then um, it was kind of sweet. My dad was like, you got to go to college. You got to go to college. And then he saw me do stand-up, and he was like, actually, you're kind of good at it. So if this is what you want to pursue, you could pursue it. 
and that's fine. Um, and then eventually I did go to college. I dropped out again, <laughs> but I did go for a second. Um, but uh, yeah, like it was, it was cool. My parents are pretty supportive. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, I mean, were they always pretty supportive, like is growing up or was that, is that, was that something that they saw you actually enjoying what you're doing and, and actually being good at it? And they were like, Oh, this is the thing we should get behind. The latter, yeah. for sure. Like yeah. when I first told them I was doing it, they were like, what are you talking about? Go to college, get a job. Like, what are you doing? And then, yeah, they saw me do it and, and uh, enjoy it. And they were like, oh, okay, like this could be something you pursue. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents used to tell me not to play video games because I can never make money playing video games. And they'd be like, go outside and play baseball. <laughs> okay and you Little, can play, make money playing with video games now, now yeah. yeah i mean this was back in like 2002 you know yeah for sure so you have your own experience with with your parents and and your your childhood and you've been able to make light of that and that's you know it's it's part of of who you are like we all have a unique story we all have like or unique background. And so you take this topic and you look at it from a point of view that nobody else in the universe can. And that's, that's really, really cool. Um, we see a lot of other comics that have dealt with, you know, their own problems with, you know, with their parents. Have you ever worked with or spoken to a comic that has like a similar bit or uh, is a comic that you can think of that has a bit about their own upbringing that, resonates with you even though it wasn't yours uh, it wasn't your like unique experience i hear comics like eddie pepitone will talk about his dad um sometimes and it's really funny and he talks about his dad actually being very abusive but it's really funny and um that kind of reminds me of it but um i definitely i don't hear a lot of comics delve into their childhood as much as I, I tend to lean on it and I don't, I don't, I don't see that as often. Do you know Jeff Sheen? I know the name. Jeff Sheen is a New York comic. Super funny. Shout out to Jeff. He's great. And he has this amazing bit about, he talks about as like a little boy, like being in love with his mom and like just having the Oedipal complex of like wanting to kill his dad, but loving his mother so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it sounds so sick, but the way he does it is so, so funny. It's a, mm. it's one of my favorite bits and that's pretty, that's, that's like pretty twisted and it's very funny. Yeah. That's definitely a unique take. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the Oedipal context. Eventually. So this is, you're going to be like in the late forties of episodes. Like eventually I feel like we're going to run out of topics. So we're going to yeah. have to really like dig deep into like, okay, who has an Oedipus? Yeah. Complex? It's oh, called Jeff a momplex. Yeah. (laughs) Our upbringings definitely play into who we become as a person, for sure. A million percent. Uh, But it's interesting to see two people with similar upbringings that have like totally different results. You know, for example, uh, people whose parents dote on them, they become dependent on their parents or people whose parents dote on them, they become completely independent. Like um, I had a, a cousin who, Ended up, and here's a dark twist, and Steve knows what's coming. Uh, she had her mom killed. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like one of those where her mom was so like smothering, but gave her everything 
that the only out that she could see was I'm going to pay somebody to have my mother murdered. And it's like, yeah. So, but yeah. equally, I, I oh, know my people. uncle is in a cult in Texas. So top that. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> what was his childhood like? <laughs> a lot of, uh, a lot of um, concussions from yeah. uh, college football. Uh, that'll do it. Mm, Not even worth good. it. He wasn't like, it wasn't like, uh, long story. Okay. <laughs> That's a different it. episode, concussions. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, we all, we're all like unique and we all have our own re- response to things. Like her mom was super smothery. And then I have other friends who had parents that were like that, that are doing really, really well for themselves. So it's a very similar upbringing, but two vastly different different results like how do you I mean I'm not looking at you as like a psychology uh, expert but I feel like you have a good perspective on things like this like you know where where does the where is the difference like how do things like that work like I don't know I think (laughs) I'm trying to ask no totally I think it's like different defense mechanisms and therefore different responses to things like I just think it depends on our brains and the way we react like I have become a couple different people since my upbringing. Like I, at first, was completely addicted to drugs and partying. My, well, first I retreated as a kid. I retreated into myself, was very shy, and didn't talk to anybody. And then I was a complete partier, drugs, alcohol. And a lot of my friends had been like abused as kids too. We were all just partiers and blah, blah, blah. And then um, I had to get sober and I got sober and went to therapy and like worked a bunch of stuff out. And now I'm like trying to be as productive and successful as I can as my coping mechanism. But I think it just, so like I've been a few different people, but I think that it just depends on like if it's two different people, it depends on how your brain forms as a kid and what you do to protect yourself from whatever you need to protect yourself from. And then that ends up growing up with you as an adult. And then that's where the unlearning happens, right? Like that's when it's up to you to either unlearn that, which is really hard, or just like keep the those defense mechanisms alive. Again, it becomes your identity. <laughs> like, yeah. I I think it's interesting that, that you put it as I've been multiple people. Like I've been a few different people. Does framing it that way help? As in like, oh, this like this was a different person when I was doing drugs and partying. I was oh. this was a different person. And then like I'm the culmination of these different forms of Hannah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I do like to think myself as a different person now at 30 than I was at 22. Like, my God, like, <laughs> I I don't want to, that, I don't like that girl. <laughs> but I understand where she's coming from. I get why she did mm-hmm. what she did. Um, but yeah, I, I like to separate myself for sure. She had to do that to get to this <laughs> Right. It was necessary, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Do you, ever, do you have like old journals or, or writings from then? Yeah, actually on my Instagram, I posted old jokes that I wrote when I was like 17 years old. Um, okay. It's like in one of my permanent stories or, or story highlights or whatever. Um, but yeah, I do go through old journals and they're mostly just like me not understanding I'm an alcoholic yet. It's mostly me just being like, how come I can't keep a bottle of wine here without drinking it all in a night? You know, it's like a lot of like, what, what's that? And it's like alcoholism. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. 
that's, I mean, I feel like that's helpful to kind of look back on and be like, oh, that's, you know, that the growth between then and now or. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's a good way to, it's good to look at it that way. Yeah, for sure. Okay. When you get on stage and uh, you talk about riffing and like making it more fun, when you, if you deliver, if you've been delivering like the same bit over and over and over, you know, I mean, you're trying to work out the little kinks. Do you set goals for yourself? Do you like, you know, say, oh, you know, tonight I'm going to, I'm going to focus on my delivery on this certain line or, or do you just kind of like do it how it feels best in the moment and then go back and make notes for next time? I do it how it feels best in the moment. I mean, I will go back and write, rewrite jokes. Um, so I'll rewrite a joke and go up there and do it the new way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I haven't done that, then yeah, I'll just do it as it feels in the moment and then um, possibly like riff and add stuff to it. And I record my sets. So if I add a punchline or something, I can go back and listen and write it down. Yeah. That's the best. I like, I search for that every, every time I get on stage, just like, yeah. how can I, can I add a tag to this? Can I, you know, oh, just the best be, be in the moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was hard. I did that. <laughs> I did that my first show back on stage. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a bit that, that generally works and it's about like new technology and how I'm optimistic about, you know, that this new year and it was perfect because it was like New Year's weekend. And then all of a sudden I started talking about 3D printed meat and I'm like, <laughs> I don't have a punchline for this. It's like, I haven't done comedy in two months. I don't, I trust myself to come to a punchline and I didn't. And it was, and there was just like one person went, one person in the back, just, it was like a pity. Woo. <laughs> oh no, those are the worst. And I was like, thank you one for, well, I brought it back. I brought it back with a bit that I wasn't planning on doing um, that usually always works, but well, there you go. Like, it was like, ah, I don't know. I don't remember how to do this. Like, yeah. But, but it's still like, I would rather walk away having kind of done um, a, something not go well that was new and different than like I was just on autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't regret it one bit. I never do. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's the thing. Like you can't look at things that have happened and be like, I regret that. And right. I mean, you could say I wouldn't do that now. So then don't. Right. Like you can change it, but you yeah. can't go back and fix the past. Right. Just write a joke about it. Right. There you go. <laughs> write a bit about it. Steve. What? How has, <laughs> what? Uh, how have, how has your, upbringing would you say like had an impact on the way that you do comedy like my upbringing influencing it in terms of the the subject matter being put into it or you mean it just it influencing my personality or writing style both uh this is the thing what what you were talking about earlier hannah about how comics go through that phase of like maybe after almost 10 years they'll start to change like when you talked about louis ck the evil man he, uh, he, he, like, he, I, I am going through that right now. And I'm like trying to tap into like my childhood more. Cause I have a lot of really good stories and like, you know, family dysfunction and things like that that I can talk about, but it's like, some of it's too deep and some of it's like, just not like, I just don't know how to make that stuff funny. You know, like it's tough. And you're like, I've just been doing jokey jokes for almost nine years now. And it's just not like fun anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like even good jokes that do really well. I hate them. I fucking hate them. I'm so sick of telling them. Some of them go all the way back to like the first five months. They're good. People like them, but I just, I don't. And 
you know, I have plenty of new material too, but I definitely have to change. Uh, I didn't answer your question at all. Uh, no, but it's, <laughs> I did in the beginning, but like, um, I wasn't funny when I was a kid either, by the way. Like I, like you were saying also earlier, like I just really envied it. And I think about around eighth grade, I, I think all of my comedy comes from roasting people t- to get a laugh in class. That's where it started. Mm-hmm. It's like eighth grade. I used to get the, the best of the teacher because he was an asshole and he wasn't like, he would let everything slide. So you could just keep pushing him and pushing him. And then I would get writing assignments and stuff like that. God, eighth graders are so scary. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're the worst so kind scary. of people. Oh my God. So I will cross the street if there are eighth graders on my side. I'm like, not today. Mm-mm. I got a writing assignment for making fun of my teacher's loafers in a picture that we took of our trip to Washington, D.C. There was a picture of just him with his loafers. And I was like, look at these. I just roasted the shit out of him. Everybody thought it was funny. And then he gave me a writing assignment. Oh, no. No, he's a big tough guy. He's a big jockey, like, okay. coach. Okay. And he's, like, the biggest dick in the world. His name is Mr. Boyle. And he, like, that's why I picked Ooh, on him. Because he thought he was so out. funny, but he was dumb. He was, like, he, I don't know, it was... I still like them, but it was just, you know, we butt heads all the time. Anyways, that's, <laughs> that's kind of answering your question too. What about, what about like your, your childhood, like your, your parents, do you, do you say, would you say that they influenced your sense of humor or your like desire to get into comedy? Or me? Steve? Oh. Oh, say, wait, say that again. We're, we're unpacking Steve for a second. Yeah, I'm like, um, no, no. What, what, what was your question again, though? Sorry. Would you say that, like, did your parents have a sense of humor or did, like, did they play any role in, in you eventually uh, deciding to do comedy? They were supportive. I mean, I would, I was able to make them laugh in, like, my 20s. That's when I started to, like, make them laugh. So they, like, mm-hmm. thought I was funny. But I, my dad was never funny and my mom was never funny. My mom's real quiet. My dad's kind of, like very outspoken but he's not he doesn't have any sense of humor at all <laughs> so hmm. and Hannah I mean you say your mom's funny your dad and it yeah uh okay okay I because I'm, I'm like trying to connect like do your parents have to be funny or not and I know there's a study about like genetics and humor but I I'm not gonna waste the time to like pull it up in my notes well my dad or my mom is like incredibly smart like mm-hmm. Mensa smart and she okay. is very I think and she's very funny I think intelligence and humor are very intertwined oh yeah and my dad just like thinks accents are funny so <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not funny yeah yeah hit him with a frying pan <laughs> <laughs> um, what was no, that intelligence- a regionalism of what I was like what is that a regionalism of <laughs> You're just doing a voice. That's a dialogue. No, it's, it's a few things. <laughs> More of a twang to it. But no, you're right. Intelligence and humor are are very closely intertwined. They're, they're mm-hmm. the same, there's two sides of the same coin. I mean, it's, if you could define humor and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll close it out. I have one more question to ask you. Um, if you could define like humor to you, because it's, it's very subjective. I look at it as like a working out of, of two separate ideas in a way that connects them. But like, what, how do you look at your own sense of humor? How would you define that? I feel like 
it's the opposite of magic in that you're showing people what's under the hood. Like it's taking something, it's showing, it's like the big wizard of Oz. It's so scary. And then you're showing the little guy behind the curtain. Like, it's like, Ooh. no, it's not scary. It's funny. Ooh. Okay. Cause I want to say like nine out of 10 comics we have on here. are like, no, it's a magic trick, but that's, I love that perspective. Yeah, I think, I know, I hear that too, but I actually find it to be the opposite. I feel like it's showing the truth, which is, like, funny. Yeah, that's what I love about this thing, is there's no one way to answer a question. There's no, like, one way to say, you know, what's your secret, or how do you write? It's like, you you take what you've learned from other people, and you mold it to to what you know and how you are, and that's... Jokey yeah. jokes are are not like anecdotal, where the jokey jokes are like the magic tricks, and then the anecdotal stuff is just really funny. Like there's all, I feel it's like all punchlines. I feel like even the jokey joke, like if I'm like, oh, my cereal gets soggy, isn't that crazy? <laughs> like even that's <laughs> like that's showing that the truth like it's still showing like, and I don't mean the truth as in blow your mind philosophy truth, yeah. but just like showing like the mechanics of how something works and breaking it down and sort of explaining the mechanics of how something works. That's how I, I, it works in my brain. Yeah. Right. right. It's yeah. There, there's sort of a, a formulaic component to it, but it's also like, how can, how can we twist the formula just a little bit mm-hmm. and come up with an answer that people aren't expecting? Yes, exactly. Especially when it comes to more like jokey jokes, like set up punch mm-hmm. too. Uh, the <laughs> Halloween to to jail, like that's that's an example of like what exaggeration or, yeah. or like metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Well played. Um, if you could, if you could give a comedian a piece of advice who is working out a joke or a bit about their own childhood uh, experiences, whether they be traumatic or otherwise what would you tell them like advice about doing it yeah um i would say don't write about something that you're still in like if and don't force it like if you can't get jokes out of something and it just hurts and you're just still too in it to write a joke about it and that's okay it just needs time mm-hmm. um and otherwise like you don't even when you are writing jokes you don't have to be you don't have to shove it in people's faces and be super shocking for it to be, for it to work. In fact, the opposite is, I find, like, you can be shocking. I'm not against it, but, like, you don't have to try to be shocking. That is advice that a lot of people need to hear, for sure. And yeah. what about, you know, if, if somebody is, you know, has, who isn't a comedian, uh, has that experience of their childhood and they're kind of trying to find ways to work through it, um, what would you tell them? Definitely journaling. I, I mean, therapy <laughs> and journaling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, journaling, I wake up every morning, like before I have coffee, just like wake up and start writing. And it really, I, again, no idea why, but it really helps. It's, yeah, it's almost like a, a physical, like, like we all have different learning styles. You know, some people are more kinesthetic, some people are more visual. And I think, to write something down, to write down like a thought or a feeling that you have almost makes it like real in yeah. a sense. At least yeah, that's, that's how, that's that. where I come from. Yeah. yeah. Like seeing it in front of you rather than ruminating on it is, it's a totally different experience. 
Absolutely. Cool. Uh, Hannah, where can we find you on social media? And uh, this is your chance to plug anything that you are working on now. Great. Yeah. Um, Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Boone Comedy, B-O-O-N-E Comedy. And my podcast comes out every Monday on Spotify and wherever else you can hear podcasts called Disordered. Um, It's very fun. We talk about mental illness. Um, And yeah, for upcoming shows or or anything like that, because I have some Zoom shows coming up, you can just check out BooneComedy.com. There it is. Uh, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us, taking time out of your schedule. Yeah. And, yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. With that being said, uh, next time you feel like that you've got a monster in you, and uh, or if you're in a moment where it there's two of you, remember that it takes two to awkward. Yeah. And remember <laughs> that <laughs> that you can laugh at that. And, and podcast. Special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find Gold Knox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Gold Knox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.